Welcome to the Driveway Beers Podcast with Mike and Alex. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the show. Please like, subscribe, comment, and share on any platform that you're listening on. All right, welcome back to another show. I want to thank you for coming back. Um, please like, subscribe, comment, and share wherever you're listening. If you want to rate us on the podcast platforms, that'd be great. Uh, last review we got was a nice one-star one. I think the guy said we actually made him dumber. Oh. So we're doing something for the community, right? I <laughs> uh, want to thank Cheers and Spirits in the Arnold Station Plaza. Um, we're drinking Wild Turkey 101 tonight on this end. We got a guest on the other end. We'll get to him in just a moment. We want to thank um, uh, Annapolis, uh, AnnapolisHomeExperts.com with Brian Schilling. He was my, uh, my real estate agent when I bought this house. Excellent guy. Good personal service. And I want to introduce our guest. We got Drew from the Zone 32 podcast, which for you Ravens fans is a Ravens-centric podcast, but they talk about all things football. Um, just a real good listen if you like uh, hearing about Ravens podcast stuff uh, or, or Ravens uh, football commentary. And uh, I like the show better than a lot of the radio stuff in the afternoon on, on the local stations around here. So I want to thank you for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me. And yeah, we're uh, not professional by any um, you know stretch of the imagination. We we like to uh, not take ourselves too seriously. We typically just you know fight amongst ourselves for like an hour and a half and then call it a day. We're finding these days a lot of the best stuff on uh, on audio is non professionals. It's just guys that kind of get on and talk and they talk like everyone else does in their in their basement or their you know or on their driveway. You know, it, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it makes more sense if, that way. If I was smart enough to be a you know professional football analyst, like I'd be on the NFL Network right now, or I'd be on ESPN. I wouldn't be doing a you know podcast for you know two hundred listeners. So, I mean, that's you know, like I you can't take yourself too seriously in that situation. Otherwise, people are just gonna be like, "Who's this fucking asshole who thinks he knows better than everybody else?" I think that's where guys like Jason Lock and Fora lose people. So. No, that guy's a fucking clown. I we I had a rant on him in one of our episodes. Um, he went after the uh, GM's wife and said some dumb shit about like people, you know, being nice to her because that they wanted to be on like Biscotti and EC's good side. And so we went uh, ballistic on him. I mean, he, he's a fucking moron. He's a, he's always been a moron. Got fired from you know CBS because he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. So yeah, I mean that that guy's a fucking absolute clown. Everything that comes out of his mouth is fucking wrong. So I'm going to come out with the hard-hitting question right off the bat. Okay. You're from Massachusetts. Yep. How on earth did you become a Ravens fan? So I grew up in Connecticut. Um, and, you know, that Connecticut is like no man's land for football. It's, um, you know, Patriots, Jets, Giants, and just fucking any other team under the sun. My father was a Rams fan when they were in L.A. And so he didn't really have a favorite football team when I was a kid. So it was just kind of, you know, whatever was on TV. Um, we used to go to Ocean City, Maryland every year. And so, like, uh, we started, you know, I was six when the Ravens uh, started. And we had gone to, like, their training camp, and I just kind of stuck with the team. I liked Ray Lewis, too, so that helped. Good good guy to like. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I got a part-time job at Fenway. I got a big Bruins and Ra uh, Red Sox tattoo on my arm next to my Ravens one. So, you know, Celtics fan. So it's really just the Patriots are the only team from around here that I'm not uh, not interested in. Fuck Tom Brady. Uh, fuck Bill <laughs> Belichick. Fuck all of them. Now, the local, the yeah. local guys in us, 
the the Red Sox fandom is like I'm, the worst I'm thing not. possible down here. Yeah, so my co-host Will gives me uh, wear purple pants on Twitter. Gives me shit all the time. He's like, you know, your fucking Red Sox fans are all losers, and I'm like, well, I mean, none of them. They're all you know like transplants from the north. It's like you know they got a brother who lives up in you know like New Hampshire, so that they think they're connected to the area, right. and they're just not like like actual Red Sox fans are, you know, mostly drunk assholes. So I mean, they, they get along. <laughs> they mostly get along pretty well in Baltimore, but they're not. Um, you know, the people that you find like across the country who claim Red Sox are, you know, they started watching in 04. Right. And granted, I was 14 in 04, so it wasn't like I had like a lifetime of suffering, but I, I had enough as a child to, you know, kind of enjoy the uh, 2004 World Series and everything after that. And I know the animosity down here comes from. So the Orioles haven't been great a lot. You know, we had a couple of year stretches with Buck and then this past year, right? But yeah, and then the Red Sox and you guys won the same amount of playoff games this year. So yeah, yeah well, exactly. Right. Well, but the, so the issue was, was when the when the Orioles sucked and nobody was going to Camden Yards in those years, we would get bombarded with Red Sox and Yankee fans. It was like Fenway South. Oh, it was awful. I went a couple times. I mean, Larry Lucchino, who built uh, Camden Yards, was uh, you know in the Red Sox front office for a bunch of years. So, like, I mean, it's a beautiful stadium. Like, it's probably my favorite, you know. Wrigley and Fenway are, are just different. Just they're old. They're cool. You know, they're kind of like novelty stadiums. Um, you know, again, I work at Fenway, so it's kind of like lost a little bit of its luster for me. I'm there 81 days a year, so that kind of uh, takes some of the shine away. But, you know, I, I would say Camden Yards and Petco are probably the two nicest parks that I've been to that are, you know, more modern, just the way it's laid out, that whole uh, Utah street, the kind of like uh, the the tables out in center field. It, it's a really cool setup. It's a really nice park too. So I understand why people kind of make it a tourist destination. Yeah. The, I went to Fenway when I was younger and I've also been to Wrigley too. Those are two of my favorites just because of the history behind them. Like you go to Fenway and like, it's just, like, it's built differently, obviously, because it was built in older times and just, it just um I don't even know how to put it in words. Like when you walk there and and you're outside the stadium and then when you're inside the stadium, it just makes you feel a certain way. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, so I actually went I went to Wrigley for the first time in a while this year. I'd never sat out in the bleachers there. Uh that general admission thing that they do out there is way cooler than we do any anything at Fenway. But I mean they're both just kind of the same thing. You get that kind of like old time baseball feel. And again, there are two parks that are just kind of in the middle of cities. Like really, you know, most stadiums are kind of set back from everything else. But these ones, you're like, you know, driving through a neighborhood and then all of a sudden you're at a, a baseball stadium. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we were going to talk about the Ravens for a little bit um, and then segue into something that we about who we don't really like. <laughs> Uh, got, we'll get, a, we'll get to the hater long, section in a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got a long list of NFL people I don't like, so I'm done for that discussion. <laughs> um, Lamar Jackson finally shutting some people up this year. Not that he's having a stellar season, but he's having a good season. Yeah, I mean, he's he's you know got to be in the MVP discussion. Um, the problem that you're going to get with Lamar and like the national media is that so many people thought that he should switch to a wide receiver or running back before the draft. And so those people will never want to admit that they were wrong on him coming out. So they'll never really give him the proper credit. 
then it's always going to be, uh, you know, Lamar won a unanimous MVP. Only Tom Brady's done that before. But it's like, oh, he can't win in the playoffs. Then if they win in the playoffs, it's going to be, well, the Ravens have an elite all-time defense. It's always going to be shifting goalposts with them, I feel like. There are a lot of analysts, and there are some, uh, you know, local Maryland people who are fucking assholes, too, who are just, you know, any little mistake that he makes, they, they got to get on his case about it. And, you know, he gets held to a different standard. But he has looked very good this year. Um, I was screaming for Greg Roman to get fired for four years. So, you know, Todd Munkin coming in and kind of making the offense not boring, you know, actually having like legitimate passing concepts has been a, a nice change of pace. There's been some frustrating parts of his offense, but it's just overall a much more fun product to watch. And the defense is fucking amazing. Yeah. It, the one thing people never really pointed out with, um, with Greg Roman's passing offense, so you would go back and you would watch some plays and you could see it in the highlights or if you just watched the game over again, you would uh, almost all the time, you would see multiple wide receivers in the same zone on the field. Yeah. So, and all he was doing was just crowding the zone with more defenders because he kept putting the, he kept putting the Ravens in the same spot on the field where with Munkin, you don't see that. And I think that's the biggest difference in the passing games. And everyone's like, well, they're still running the ball. They're still running the ball. You know, it's basically the same offense. The people that are saying it's the same offense are full of shit. Because when you look yeah, at the there passing are similarities. game, there are, there, similarities. there are some with the running game, but the passing game yeah. is so much more sophisticated than Romans well, is, and it opens up that running game to be better. I think Todd Munkin said it in his introductory press conference, but he's kind of like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And so the running game has been great for four years, basically since Lamar took over. It's been you know an elite running game. So there was nothing different that he was going to do with that. You know, like he just took what Greg Roman did and then he actually added like a, a functioning passing offense that wasn't made by some, you know, fucking moron who doesn't understand that there's a full football field to use. That was, like you said, that was always the most frustrating part of like, you know, Lamar would roll out right, there'd be three wide receivers within five yards of each other and then there'd be eight defenders over there. And it's like, well, no shit. That's where the only people you have running routes are all in the same spot. And they're like, well, why is nobody open? And it's like, well, because they're all in the same spot. The defense knows what's coming. And then they blame Lamar for not fitting in the tightest window possible. Yeah. And, and, you know, he was like forced so much with Roman to play hero ball. And it was almost like that, you know, backyard scramble game where, you know, the offensive line is going to hold up for three, four seconds. I mean, that's just like an average NFL offensive line can do that. And then he'd just run around in circles and hope somebody gets open and look for that, you know, home run play. You don't really have as much of that this year, which is, again, like a breath of fresh air. I mean, there was a game earlier this year, you know, against um, Arizona where we put up 31 points. And I was like, offense didn't look great today. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm getting spoiled now. Like, you know, I've, I'm, you know, six weeks free of Greg Roman and I'm complaining about a 31 point show. Yeah. The, um, with the, uh, with the passing offense, I should say, with the running offense having so much success, I mean, last week you had two running backs over 10 yards per carry. With that success, teams are eventually going to have to stack the box because right now they're not, yeah. and, and they're taking full advantage of it. And I think Lamar's passing numbers will actually get much better in the second half than they were in the first because of that. Because eventually you can't just let running backs go at 10 yards a clip and, and just think, you're okay, we got to let Lamar. We're not going to let Lamar beat us. Well, now you got to you got to stack the box with those two guys, especially with Keaton Mitchell. Well, I mean, and if everybody stays healthy, like the Ravens are a nightmare to game plan for, because like you said, you can, 
you know, play that kind of soft zone where you drop seven or eight guys into coverage. You, you know, maybe simulate pressure off the edge and maybe make Lamar take the check downs, but you leave the run wide open there. Man, the Ravens could run for 300 yards a game if they wanted to. And if you start kind of, you know, packing it in and playing, you know, like a man defense kind of thing and stacking the box, there's going to be, you know, whether it's Zay, Odell, um, I'm not a huge Bateman guy, but he's looked better the last couple of weeks, so maybe it's going to be him. Uh, Aguilar, you know, Andrews, somebody's going to get open in the passing game there. So no matter what the defense does, like, you can't have sustained success against that offense. It's just they're a problem. If they play, you know, mistake-free football, like I don't think there's anybody in the NFL can beat, that can beat them this year. Yeah. Now, the one team that everyone seems to put above the Ravens is the Chiefs. Yeah, and so to me, that's kind of like uh, it's been the Chiefs conference, you know, since Mahomes took over as a starter. They're always in the mix. They're kind of, you know, you almost have to, like, unseat them as the, uh, you know, top team in the AFC. So, I mean, I'm okay with that. They're not a better built team than the Ravens. Um, Andy Reid is a horrible father and a fucking moron when it comes to managing the clock. But I, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, you, you never want to get in a situation where it's a one-score game and Mahomes has the ball in his hand to end the game. And so, like, I understand why they get their praise. And their defense is actually pretty good this year. But at the same time, like, I think the Ravens are beat to build them. They're built to beat them. Jesus. I've had a little bit too much wild turkey, too. So, um <laughs> <laughs> have you tried this wild, wild turkey 101 before oh that's my uh that's my go-to that's my uh signature drink so yeah well, yeah just, i love it we just did it by accident yeah, yeah. I, so the last one we try to buy different different bourbons i'll pick something up alex will pick something up the last one i picked up was spicy uh <laughs> I, I, that was rough i usually drink it neat but yeah, i couldn't drink this neat it was like uh what was it? Um, it's like 117 proof. Yeah, it was like, up there. So that's like what? That's like water to me. So I'm. I'm <laughs> Good Lord, what are you I'm drinking? Yeah, damn. <laughs> well, so I mean, I don't usually drink anything under 100 proof. Just generally, it doesn't uh, it doesn't really do it for me. I kind of like the kick and the spiciness. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like old granddad, old granddad 114 is a go to of mine. Um, I don't know if you've had wild turkey rare breed before. That's 117, 116 and a half proof or something like that. So it's a little bit stronger than 101, but yeah, like my, you know, if I were to just buy like a normal bottle for every day, it would be uh wild turkey 101. That's usually my go-to. And I, you know, I drink that neat. The pot, the, the price on it is hard to beat, right? I mean, yeah, that's, you're talking about like 25 bucks, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. 30, it's 30 bucks around here, but it's just, you know, for the, for the price, it's not, you, you really can't beat it. I, like I like uh, Elijah Craig barrel proof. They do, um, you know, like that select barrel thing, it's usually between like 110, 120 proof. Um, but, you know, that's like $80 a bottle. Like, I'm not trying to spend $80 a bottle. Yeah, I don't you know, have that no, kind of no, no, either. Yeah. <laughs> not no. for a bottle. Yeah. We're sponsored by a liquor no. store. We don't we, we don't get that even that big of a discount <laughs> to get that price yeah. down. Yeah, um, and there's, um, uh, what is it, like 1792 does a full proof that's 125 proof, which, again, is great, but you can't find that anywhere. That's not like a regular bottle that they put out all the time, so... And, you know, again, it's a little bit more on the expensive side. So typically I go to Wild Turkey 101 because of the price and just the proof. And it, it, it tastes good. I get made fun of for it all the time, but it's definitely my go-to. The other one we haven't had yet, we haven't tried the 1792 regular. Everyone says it's great. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's um, yeah, it's a little weak for my taste, but I think it's like 95 proof. So 
you know, it's not bad. I, it's just, again, like I, once, once I had the foolproof, I'm like, I can't, you know, go back to the training wheels bourbon there. I'm the opposite. I'm watering shit down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, know, I think I'm going. One, I'm, yeah. When I'm I going started, up. that's how it was. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm going up with it. So it's been, um, you know, I, I first was like, you know, lower proofs with, with ice and then lower proofs, just neat. And now I'm getting back, getting up into the higher proofs with, you know, ice, but that'll go to neat at some point. This stuff I got was called uh, slow ambler. It was out of West Virginia. It, um, they were, they had, they were doing a tasting. So I bought, I'm a sucker. They're giving away a t-shirt doing a tasting. So I bought a bottle. Yeah. Yeah, If you got a cool looking bottle or you're giving away free shit, I'll probably buy it. That's just, you know, yeah, yeah, stickers. Like small, I'll like take your stickers. Yeah, yeah, like I'll, I'll take a sticker. I'm not buying anything. I'm taking the sticker for my beer fridge. But like t-shirts, that's like some more like durable goods. I'll take those, and then I'll buy something. So yeah, t-shirts and hats are usually the good way to sucker me in. So, <laughs> so we were talking about the Chiefs, and I don't think there's probably a more hated team in the NFL around the NFL. I would say inside Kansas City, they probably love the Chiefs. Everywhere. I, I don't know what it is about Pat Mahomes, but I can't stand that dude. Yeah, see, so I'm like, he's kind of a, he sounds like Kermit the Frog, which is kind of annoying. And he's really good. I think that's the other problem too, is like, he's so good at football that it's like, fuck this guy. Like he looks, he sounds like Kermit the Frog, like, you know, runs around in the pocket, like looks like Brett Favre playing, but actually, you know, completes it to his own team instead of the other team. And his (laughs) wife's annoying as shit. His brother's annoying as shit. Like, there's just a lot of things to not like about him. Every time, you know, when he started, when he was a rookie, it was always, Dad used to play in Major League Baseball. It's like, yeah, I, I heard that the first time. I don't need to hear that 46 more times while he's playing. So there are a lot of unlikable traits about him. I can't, um, you know, I can't fault you for that. Travis Kelsey's annoying, especially with the Taylor Swift shit now, too. Yeah. There's really not any likable people on the Chiefs. So I definitely uh, get where you're coming from there. Yeah, it's not, the voice for me is kind of eh. But it's just like when he's on the sideline, he's got that resting bitch face or he's got those fucking the facial expressions of just that douchebag. And it's just like, I bet people just like want to punch you in the face all the time. Well, and then he'll cry for a flag if you do. Right. You know, he's the first he's the first guy to take his helmet off on the sideline and start screaming across the other side of the field. But somebody hits him like a second and a half late. He's going to roll around on the ground like he just died looking for a flag. So. Very, very unlikable. That that's that's the Tom Brady streak in him that I hate in all quarterbacks. Did you watch the? Yeah. Uh, did you or I guess watch or listen? It's a podcast, but that the New Heights podcast with the Kelsey brothers. They had um, Chris Jones on, and Jason Kelsey asked Chris Jones. He's like, "Well, what did you think of Travis when you first met him?" And he he goes, "Malibu's most wanted." So I thought he was yeah. red. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a great, you know, comparison for him. And I, I've listened to some of that podcast. Um, they get into some interesting football stuff, but when they're just talking about themselves, I'm like, oh, I, I hate Travis. And, you know, Jason is just like dumb as rocks. So there's really nothing like interesting for either of them to say. It, I, I've noticed that Jason is not interesting at all to listen to. And they actually just had him in the booth booth on uh, Thursday Night Football for like a quarter while I was watching. And it's just it adds nothing like no, no personality It's just, again, he's an idiot offensive lineman. Like, that's kind of what you expect out of him. Is that what do you think that's worse? Or do you think uh, like a Chris Collinsworth is worse where he basically gets on his knees for uh, 
for for Pat Mahomes every time the Chiefs are on on TV. Well, see, my beef with Collinsworth is PFF. That has totally ruined the internet and talking about football because they give out these fucking arbitrary grades to guys, and everybody's like, oh, well, PFF graded this guy at 90, so he must be fucking great. And it's like they don't release their grading criteria. I have no idea why they graded this guy at 90 and this guy at 85. And it's just it's like broken a whole generation of children. You get the analytics nerds talking about sports, and I'm just like, I, you know, like you got bullied in high school, didn't play sports, and now you're telling me that you know more about football than other people. It bothers me. Well, that's like with with uh, Collinsworth, he would just like re, uh, Tom Brady retired, so he can, he can no longer verbally fellage Tom Brady. Yeah. So now, oh, there's Pat Mahomes. Well, I'll he, that's his guy now, and it's just I remember watching. You know, whenever he was doing a game with the Patriots, it was Tom Brady this and Tom Brady that. And Tom Brady. It's like there, there's ten other dudes on this offense, and then a whole other defensive team that's contributing as well. But you're just going to sit here and talk about Tom Brady the entire time. Um, I don't think he really yeah, adds any, anything during the game either. Uh, no, I, I kind of liked it when like Romo was player. doing games. Oh, I um, hate Romo. I hate Romo. He like, was. He annoys me because he's the opposite of Chris Collinsworth, where he's just like hypes up literally anybody. Like you could put in, you know, the fucking undrafted free agent who's never played in the NFL before. He's like, oh, this guy's got Hall of Fame potential, Jim. Yeah. Like, All right, shut up, dude. Like, just stop. Yeah, what, what I liked about Romo, though, and it's it's going to wear down as he has, you know, is getting further and further away from his playing days, is that when he first came out, he was at least playing against or with these people he was talking about. So he had that insight and that perspective. But, I mean, when, when did Collinsworth play last? Like, I mean, in the – yeah, it's like the eighties or nineties. So I've never really cared for him, and you know, sometimes I wish that they would all just shut up and they'd show me the Madden view so I could watch offensive linemen do blocking schemes and things like that, and watch the run game develop. But no one listens to me, so yeah, like an all twenty-two kind of uh, broadcast where you can pick what angle you watch a play from and zoom in on specific players would be pretty cool. You know, so if you if you want to watch the offensive line, you can do that. If you want to watch like a wide receiver versus cornerback matchup, and you don't want to hear the dumb noise in the background, I thought the Manning cast was going to be really good because I thought they'd kind of focus on more of stuff like that. But they're even terrible. I find Peyton Manning like boring and Eli Manning boring. So <laughs> I think yeah, the, the just, other brother's the smart one of the three of them. So well, yeah, because he he's the one that we know the least about, so he's at least somewhat interesting. You're like, what's this guy's deal? You're two brothers are Hall of Fame quarterbacks and you're some fucking, you know, like insurance salesman. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one time they were trying to sell us on the fact that, oh, well, Cooper's the most athletic of the three, but he hurt his neck. So, of course, that's what happened to him. If you, if you yeah. like, he has some condition where if he like gets hit, like his bones all break or it just <laughs> falls apart. <laughs> it's like they all, sh- I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, I, I got that too. It's called old age. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or it's called, you know, not knowing how to take a hit and not being athletic. But they try to hype him up like he was, you know, oh, he was going to be the best of the three, but, you know, it just didn't work out for him. It's like, I'm just not buying it. Isn't his kid the uh, one who just committed to Texas, too? So, I mean, you know, his kid got the athletic genes, but he didn't. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not a fan of there are really no broadcasters that I'm like, all right, I can deal with this guy. You know, Kevin Harlan's fine because he's got the uh, entertaining calls. But even like during the course of a game, he gets boring. Right. I tend to mute the game by like halftime typically. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Um, you know, a lot of them I, I should probably do it too, but uh 
I, a lot of games, I even I, just, I fall asleep during them. So my wife said, "Oh, you're gonna go watch football?" Like, yeah, I'm watching football. And then next thing you know, I'm zonked out on the couch, which I I'm still winning at that point. So you know, yeah. See, my my blood pressure gets too high. Like one thing goes wrong, and I'm screaming at the television, so I can't fall asleep at that point. I'm too like jacked up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, with the the Chiefs and them, the the whole. I'm so I've, I've gotten so tired of just seeing them on everything. Um, before I never really cared. Like they won, you, okay, you won the good team, but that was just you can't watch any TV at all without seeing Pat Mahomes selling something and Jake from State Farm, and then there's the stupid banter with him and Kelsey, and then now it's every game. It's like when Romo was dating Jessica Simpson, you'd see her reaction to every play. I don't really care about Taylor Swift's reaction to. a like does she know what's going on? Yeah, um, she doesn't. She doesn't make music for me or no, for me you guys either. either. You know, you know. So it's like I have no interest in her watching football. I, I don't care. Right. Like she's not. She doesn't move the needle for me. I understand she's very successful and very famous, but like watching her jump up and down because Travis Kelsey got a six-yard catch, I I don't care. Right. Like show me the next play, or yeah. you know, show me somebody yelling at somebody else on the sideline. Like get get me back to football, not pop culture shit. The Chiefs kind of have like a, you know, Patriots dynasty vibe to them too. Uh, you know, yeah. when the Patriots were in the middle of that run, like it was every primetime game was them. You know, every sports center segment was about Tom Brady or about Julian Edelman or about Gronk or, you know, whoever the fuck it else was at that point. And it's just like, I feel like they build them up to be like the national villain. Like they almost make you want to hate them. So they yeah. want to make it Kansas City versus the world. And, like, they've done a good job of that, but it's still fucking boring as a fan who's not a fan of Kansas City. I don't want to watch them on primetime every week. Right. It's like when uh, when the Cowboys were, were America's team. And, mm. uh, you know, my, I was born in Philadelphia. My mom and dad were diehard Eagle fans. And, like, no, they were not America's team. They were despised in three major cities in the East Coast. Like, But, no, they were America's team. So it's just the yeah. marketing that kind of, and it's throughout the league. It gets everything's just marketing, marketing, marketing. It's the game's almost a sideshow to, I think, a lot of people in. in the, it's just a complete side. It doesn't matter what happens in the field. Um, there are people who probably don't even watch football on Sundays, but like tune into you know Stephen A. Smith or Shin Sharp or whatever morons talking that week to you know give their football takes, and they're like invested in the drama around football instead of the game itself. Like I'd rather just watch the game. Yeah. I find myself tuning out on most of those talk shows because they're all just, you know, like forced contrived narratives of, I think early in the year it was are the Ravens getting their money's worth out of Lamar. When mm -hmm. that started, I'm like, I'm like, why? Like, why, why are you doing this? Like, what do you gain from this stupid narrative? And then he comes out and throws four touchdowns the next week and they don't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the, when, you know, anything with the media, like they'll get something wrong. They never, they never print the retraction or if they do, it's like, in section it's you know the the local gardening section on page 32 the retraction with it it's just when they get a call wrong and then he shows them up they don't mention it at all it's like that, that didn't happen they talk you know they'll talk about travis kelsey and and taylor swift i mean your local guy you know jlc down there had you could pull months of audio on him talking about how you know the ravens front office is going to botch this lamar thing and he's going to walk Team's never going to be good again. EDC has no idea what he's doing. You know, fucking months, hours of this shit. And then EDC signs Odell. 
gets Lamar extended, drafts Zay Flowers. I mean, he picked up Jadavian Clowney for next to nothing, picked up Kyle Van Noy for next to nothing. He's built this, you know, lead defense. He got killed for giving up a second-round pick for an inside linebacker and in Roquan Smith and drafting Patrick Queen first overall. Um, you know, that 2020 draft got killed by local people for years, and now you've got three guys who are looking at potential all-pro spots from that draft on defense. And there's never a retraction from them. It's always a, oh, EDC is finally doing what he was supposed to. It's like, no, he's been doing what he was supposed to do the whole time. You were just too stupid to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It'll never, I, I've never understood how people like that have jobs of like you have, they're, they're, they don't even have like real opinions. It's just, um, you know, what's the hottest take that I can have right now? And then I'm going to keep doubling down on it. And when I'm wrong, I'm going to ignore that I was wrong. Right. They'll just switch on to the next thing and yeah. they never get called out. It's that no one ever comes on and says, Hey, you, Remember when you said this guy was nothing, you know, you, you were talking like, you know, picking up uh, Roquan Smith or draft Patrick Queen was a bit, and now look at him. No one ever defend your point. No one ever does that. No, or they just say, oh, yeah, in the moment I was right, but now I'm wrong. Well, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Like, what, that makes no sense to me. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how sports radio used to be is that people would have, you know, hardline stances and then they'd be wrong and the callers would call in and kill them for weeks on end about it. Yeah, like that. That was that was fun to listen to. Listen to people on their heels, you know, defending dumb things that they've said. But that just seems to have gone away for whatever reason. I did want to. I wanted to ask you about those about three players in particular that everyone's talking about on Twitter right now. It's Geno Stone, Justin Matabike, and Patrick Queen. They're all due for contracts at the end of this year. My my theory is that the Ravens don't sign. Any of them. And here's why. So Geno Stone, you've already got money tied up in, in Marcus Williams. You've got Kyle Hamilton, who's going to be off his rookie deal in a couple of years. So you got to save up money for that. With Matabike, defensive line is the one position the Ravens tend to draft or find undrafted free agents, and they coach them up really well. Um, and the last big guy they gave a contract to was Brandon Williams, and that contract ended up crap. And then Patrick Queen, Patrick Queen only balled out after Roquan Smith got here. So my theory is you can put someone else next to Roquan Smith and have them be almost as effective as Queen, but Queen is never going to be worth the money to the Ravens that he's worth somewhere else. And if he just falls flat on his face, because he's not playing next to someone like Roquan Smith, he's going to be proved to be not worth the money. So my theory is, is that all three guys next year are not Ravens. Yeah. So I think Matabike is a Raven. Um, you know, like you said, they do like to, you know, plug and play with veterans and late round draft picks and kind of make that work. But he's got seven and a half sacks this year. I feel like that's, you know, production that they've been looking for from that interior offensive line position for a very long time and have not gotten. So if they're going to pay anybody, it's going to be him. And then I think Gino and Patrick queen come down to do Gino and Patrick queen want to stay here. Or do they want to go get money elsewhere? Cause like I could see a situation where, you know, Gino stone could go get, I don't know, $50 million guaranteed from another team. And it's got like a $10 million AAV on it. And, you know, maybe he's not going to get those guarantees from the Ravens, but the Ravens could at least work with them and get close to that salary with incentives and stuff. You know, McDonald likes to run that those three safeties in the nickel instead of, um, you know, three corners. That that was kind of his thing at Michigan. 
And so, in theory, he'd have plenty of playing time here, even when Marcus Williams is healthy. But, you know, he'll get more guaranteed money elsewhere. And so, if Juno Stone wants to go elsewhere and get paid and be a starter, like, we're not going to compete with that money-wise. And it's the same thing with Patrick Queen. If he'll get, you know, $15 million a year on the open market, the Ravens are not going give to that, give that to him. But if he's willing to take 10 and play here, you know, maybe there's a shot that he stays. I don't think he'll take that low money. Yeah, I, and again, that's that's a that's you know the business of sports. Like I, there there are guys who leave where I'm like you know like fuck you, why'd you leave? But if Patrick Queen and Geno Stone go somewhere else because they're getting starting jobs and they're getting more money, like it is what it is. Like we have a salary cap, and you know, best of luck to you, and you know, thank you for everything you've done here. But you know, the Ravens, the Ravens kind of have like hard line numbers for them, I'm sure. And if they can make it work, then they'll they'll keep them. But I, I I'm you know hesitant to say they'll stay. Matabike, though, I think they'll go above and beyond to keep. So the other reason why I don't think they signed Matabike, one, I think is seven and a half sacks. I think that that contract's going to be way too rich for the Ravens because they're going to have other contracts coming up they got to pay. Plus, Lamar's not on his rookie contract anymore. It, that That's going to start eating up some stuff. And then they got to make a decision on Odell. Um, you got Bateman. You got to make a decision on him, whether he stays healthy or not. Um but the other thing was, so there's a guy on the roster currently that they did this with, and it was Michael Pierce. So Michael Pierce was initially drafted by the Ravens. He was on the Ravens. They let him go. He signed his big money deal, didn't perform up to that deal, and he came back to the Ravens. I think they're worried about that. The two, the last two guys was Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce. They were the last two interior linemen, and Williams got his contract and just shit the bed. Because he either got hurt or whatever, whatever happened, he just never played up to it. And then Pierce went somewhere else. I think he went to Detroit, got his money, and just didn't perform up to it. And I think they're worried that if they pay Matabike that kind of money, especially, I mean, he's going to get big money for a D tackle, and that's not cheap, right? So I I think they're probably going to make a business decision, let him go, and they're going to be like, look, we still got Pierce under contract. He's not, he's not the pass rusher that Matabike is, but he's a big run plugger. And then I think they're going to say, look, we probably got a guy or two. Because uh, well, I think they have Travis, Travis Jones, Jones waiting in the wings. And, and Broderick Washington they paid. So Yeah, so I, I think they might let Matabike go, not because they don't want him and not that, not that they can't afford him. I just think the replacement cost, I, I think they're going to be able to save a lot of money there and maybe put it somewhere else. But that's just, I don't know. I, I think – you know, again, looking into my crystal ball, I, I have no idea if I'm looking at this correctly or not. But I, if I was EDC, I would look at this as, you know, Justin Matabike is the guy out of those three that I would want to keep and want to negotiate with myself and kind of not let the market get a hold of him. Yeah. Because, again, the seven and a half sacks and, you know, by the end of the year, that could be 10, 12, 15 sacks, depending on how things go. And then, you know, Queen and Stone, you're kind of comfortable letting them test the market and seeing what's out there for them. Because, you know, again, you've got Geno Stone in the sixth round. Like, the NFL does not value safeties the same way as the Ravens do. And so maybe Geno Stone tests the market and doesn't get, you know, that huge offer, and maybe he'll come back cheap. And, again, same thing with Patrick Queen. You know, there are teams who overpay for inside linebackers, but there are guys who are very good inside linebackers that are playing, you know, year to year. So, Maybe maybe you can get him to come back, you know, and you give him like a three year, forty million dollar contract, and that's all he wants. I, I don't think that's likely, but you know, you just uh, you never say never, right? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. I mean, it's kind of 
it's probably not the best thing to talk to talk about nine only nine games into this season probably just concentrate on this season but it, it's always in the back of people's minds though i mean it was in the back of my mind before the year that patrick queen might be a guy that gets moved at the deadline um you know i i thought that they they did need pass rush help and you know they didn't get it um there were Chase Young was a real possibility, and that fell through, apparently. I, I don't know how accurate this is, but that they were working on a deal for him and didn't like some of the medicals and didn't like the uh, you know, the draft pick return for him. And then I think they were kind of too in on Derrick Henry to really pay attention to, like Daniel Hunter, who uh, they would have to restructure his contract to make it work. But that was always before the year I kind of had in the back of my mind that maybe that's where Patrick Queen gets moved. Is you know you're you're getting rid of a strength with you know your elite second inside linebacker and you're going to fill out the pass rush room, and so yeah, I always kind of looked going into the season as Patrick Queen being expendable. Really good player, um, you know he played well before they got Roquan Smith, and then when you kind of limited his uh, duties and sort of made him play in front of him, and you had Roquan being the guy who was in coverage, he really excelled. So fits very well. But you also drafted Trenton Simpson too. Who I feel like might get a shot at that job next year if they don't pay Patrick Queen. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your podcast a little bit. Um, yes. I mean, we are. The, so there is. Um, well, me. Yeah, there's five of us now. Uh, we added Trippy to our uh, full time roster. Uh, Trippy is the guy who would go outside the games and yell at Greg Roman last year. I'm sure you guys have seen his viral videos. Hey, Greg, you know. Um, famously yelled at Mike McDonald. It wasn't the first 48, it's 60 minutes. And then all of a sudden the Ravens defense took off and they did that to Todd Munkin this year. And now we scored in the second half. So, um, you know, again, we're just five idiots who like to drink and, you know, talk about football. We don't really take ourselves too seriously. Um, we kind of like to talk shit to each other. We, again, nobody really thinks that we're some like kind of professional analysts. We just kind of, you know, give our opinions on the game. At more of like a surface level, like I'm not going to pretend that I know some, you know, crazy coverage schemes or like I, you know, played football past high school. Like I'm just some, you know, degenerate who likes to drink and watch football on the weekends. Um, we also are partnered with uh, PSF, which I don't know if you know who Sean Salisbury is, uh, the old ESPN guy. Oh, yeah. But he started, yeah, so he started a sports app um, and we stream live for the full game every other week. And we do a weekly show on there too. So, you know, you can find us. Um, all those links are in my bio. Um, I think our Twitter at is at Zone Thirty Two Podcast. I'm not allowed to touch the Twitter account. I get banned on Twitter way too often. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm on account like ten, twelve at this point. Yeah. Um, Twitter is not a fan of some of the harsh language that I use, or the um, the manner in which I disagree with people it tends to upset a lot of people. So, the uh, the the links are at uh, so. I hate Linktree, but because we use it too, but it's hard to say. It's like linktr.ee forward slash zone 32 podcast. I hate the way Linktree does that. We use Linktree too. I hate the way they do that because it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like a website. It's like it should be like linktree.com. Like, don't make me do this linktr.ee bullshit, right? So, yeah, we, we found Linktree because when we used to upload episodes of the podcast, I would make a tweet saying like, podcast is live. Actually, we just had one go live, like uh, probably 25 minutes ago. But um, I used to link, you know, Apple, then Spotify, then Google, and like link all the podcast platforms. And then people would complain to me and be like, "You've blown up my timeline with 45 links to podcasts." You know, 
things that I've never heard of in my life before. And so Will went and found Linktree. I mean, I, I have no technical abilities at all. So anything, you know, fancy that some of our intros or anything like that, that is, that is not me. I have no, no, no knack for that kind of stuff. But that's, yeah. I, I wish there was just like an easy way to just tweet out a link and be like, yeah, if you click this link, it's got everything on it. And it's not this, you know, like you got to click four other links to get to where you want to get to on Linktree. But that was the best so we do that on. with our website. We, we just, we do like uh drivewearbeerspodcast.com slash subscribe. And then we got all the buttons there. People just click on it and go, it, it makes life easier, but everyone likes to see the link tree thing. So we put that in the bio and all that other stuff. But, um, so yeah, we actually, we started off as a blog. Um, it was neutral zone infraction for a while. And then, um, we realized nobody likes to read shit that we write. Cause you know, again, I'm, I'm going to, writing is boring it's way easier to just talk into a microphone and so we we went the podcast route instead but yeah we thought about bringing the uh, website back and just doing it through that but that that's again way above my way above my ability to grasp that kind of shit your twitter handle is at drew band the twitter handle for the show is at zone 32 podcast and the uh the place where you do the um the the uh uh, commentary for the football games is at PSF underscore app. We appreciate you coming on the show, man. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, um, that was uh, Drew Band from the Zone 32 podcast. We want to thank you for listening. Uh, go over to home, uh, AnnapolisHomeExperts.com to go get in contact with Brian Schilling if you need to buy a home and cheers and spirits uh, in the Arnold Station Plaza. Uh, appreciate you listening. 